Welcome to Principles with Corey and Logan. We are super excited about our guest today. Our guest today is Derek Stone. He's an entrepreneur, a successful entrepreneur at that in the Nashville, Tennessee area. But he's also uh, come out with a book that's on pre-order right now. And I just want to say welcome to the podcast, Derek. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you having me. Yeah. Well, well, Derek, let's jump right on in. Kind of um, tell us a little bit about your background. Um, you're both of us are from North Mississippi area, Baldwin, but you find sure. yourself in Nashville. How, how did you go from Baldwin to the big city of Nashville? Oh my gosh. Uh, 2008 uh, had happened and um, we were just, we just felt this urge. We'd been in Nashville a couple of times and, and then me being in a tour and rock band. Um, so I just wanted, I just felt this urge to go to Nashville to chase my dream. And so, um, me being a musician, you know, I, I packed up the kids and, and, or the kid at the time and, and the wife and we took off. And so, um, stayed there for about a year in 2009 and, uh, some stuff fell short, went back to Mississippi for about five months and then ended up permanently back here in Nashville in 2010. So we've been here ever since. Nice, nice. Well, you've come out with a new book, and uh, I, I, I kind of like the title of it. It's uh, Why Should I Forgive, right? And uh, can you tell us a little bit about the book, but why the title like that? Because Why Should I Forgive came from me. It came from a place of discontent uh, and anger, matter of fact. Um, you, uh, in this situation of how my forgiveness journey came about, uh, it was, it's a whole big old story. So, um, I just think it's really unique how, how that question, I, I, I want to say God asked me a question and I, I truly believe that this was the, I've heard this, this voice audible three times in my life. This was the second time I heard it. And, um, it said, Derek, I want to use you, but I can't because you have this bitterness towards your dad. Wow. I was at a conference in Mississippi and Tupelo actually. And, um, I got just angry, you know, like, why should I forgive him? That's the question I asked. That's, that's the statement I made towards that voice, you know, and then all of a sudden, all this, all the memories started coming back through my head, like a time-lapse video on high speed. My heart started to elevate. My, my, my fists began to clench and, you know, it was because of him that I didn't know where the next meal was coming from, not paying child support. It was because of him um, not being there and, and we us having to take cold showers and candlelight. And uh, I was physically, uh, sexually abused by my stepdad because I felt like it was my dad's place to protect us and he just wasn't there, didn't know what was going on. And so all that anger and, and, and resentment just built up. And like I said, my, my, my fists are clenched and that voice came back to me as if I didn't just holler at it. It came back to me and said, um, but I'm the father to the fatherless. And I wanted to know what that was like so bad for somebody to tell me that I had what it took, that I was enough. Um, that I said, you know what, you know what, God, it's like, if you give me that, I'll give you this. And so I, uh, two hours of, of being broken and crying on the floor in, in that church. Um, I almost walked out until I heard that voice, um, because I was so mad and angry and bitter. And so after that I got up and I'm, I had been living behind this facade. Everything's okay. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a party looking for a place to happen, <laughs> you know, putting up that facade that everything's good. You know, when I'm inside, I'm in, I'm in shambles, you know, and, uh, and I'm, I'm just angry at the world. And, uh, when I got done with this, this, this life changing event for me, I got, I just didn't feel the need to, to nurse that facade anymore. And I also 
I just, I felt like I was weightless. Like that burden I've been carrying around was gone. It just wasn't there anymore. And so, um, I just felt free for the first time ever. And so, uh, long story short, that's where the book came, the, the, the title of the book came from that place of discontent not being happy about your situation and, and kind of being angry. And, um, I want to show because the next question most people have, and I put that at the bottom of my book is, but how can I? And that's what I want to walk people through with the book. Yeah. So let me ask you this. What is that first step uh, into forgiveness? To me, it's defining the goal, the vision and the purpose for your life. Because you got to think about who you want to be, who you want to become, what do you want to do? And you got to set that in the ground because that's the milestone. You got to change a want. I want that for my life to a need. I got to have it. I can't live without it. I got to have it. You know, it's, it's, it's like food. It's, it's a need. I got to have it. And so when you can transform form a want for your life to a need, I got to be that person. A lot of stuff starts to change. You know, the second step is going with your gut. And sometimes it's like, if you're, if you're praying this prayer for the first time, or you're just trying to cleanse your life or, get out some old stuff and, and kind of just kind of emotionally, you know, unload, so to speak. It's, it's really, if, if a name comes to your heart or your head, it's speaking that name out and making a choice to forgive and going with your gut. Sometimes that's getting rid of negative people in your life. People that don't lift you up, people that don't build you up. They don't support what you're doing. And so um, to me, that's really defining that purpose though, that first step. Uh, for your life and, and the vision you have for your life, because then you can use that as a filter for everything else. How do I get there? And that's what, that's what we want to show you. Once you define it, now let's go get there. So that's good stuff. It sounds like it, it's having the direction you want to go and letting that changing your focus from what is holding you back with your unforgiveness and focus it on to something positive, but also filtering out people in your life right there. Um, mm-hmm. I, I kind of have a, follow-up question of that somebody maybe listen to this and they'd be like they got all these yeah buts right but mm-hmm. yeah but Derek that's you but Derek you mm-hmm. don't understand my situation right you, you don't know yep. what they did to me or said to me and Absolutely. holding on what would you say to them just to kind of maybe unclench that fist to, to release it uh, any words of advice for them well I would say one I love you but you're playing a victim mm. When you, because you're making excuses and you have to, at some point, take responsibility for your own life. You know, sometimes our parents are the best example of what not to be, you know, and the parents, our parents did the best they could with what they had based on the, what they were shown to be okay. If you can get that. So, so our parents did the best they could with what they had by what they were shown. So if you don't like that, my friend, it's up to you to change that. Yeah. It's that mindset and changing that. that that's good. I, I like that. Uh, mm-hmm. Changing that victim um, mindset. So um, t- tell me a little bit. Uh, I, I heard another podcast that you were speaking on and um, you're, you're successful in your business right now, but uh, I heard you say up until that point, you're kind of struggling a little bit or it wasn't to where you wanted it to be, but and it wasn't until you kind of let go of that unforgiveness that um, you kind of got unstuck. Can you talk, talk about that just a little bit? Sure. Well, when my, biz- my business did over a um, million dollars in revenue, I was so grateful. 
and people say, people say, don't look back. You know, they, they say, don't look back. And, and for me though, I wanted to look back because I wanted to see what it was that triggered my journey to success and all the roads pointed one, getting a, a biblical blessing from my father. Um, you, you hear that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, those stories and, and how they all got blessings from their father. I wanted that for my dad. And I was the, when I forgave my dad, when I was 19, I began to pray that God would restore that relationship. And six years later, one day, my dad called me up in the middle of the deer woods in North Mississippi and <laughs> deer were everywhere, but in my scope. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and he said, Hey Derek, you know, you got a chance to talk. And I said, yeah, I said, I got some time. And he said, uh, he goes, look, I want to be in your life. I want to be in my kids, uh, my grandkids life. And, um, I, I don't want to be known as somebody who walked out on their kids. And he said, I just want to ask if you'll forgive me for the way I've treated you guys for the past 10 years. And for me, I, I just put a big smile on my face and was like, dad, I forgave you a long time ago, but I've been praying for this day for a hot minute, you know? And, um, and so we went to Christmas together and we did Thanksgiving and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, I, I, I really just got this feeling to like, Hey man, asking for this blessing, nobody else is going to ask him. So I was like, okay, cool. So I asked and he said, you know, let me pray about it. Cause my dad's a, a you know, God fearing guy and has a ministry and all that. And, um, he, uh, he said, yeah, let me pray about it for a month. He called me back and he says, are you ready? And he spoke over me. I went outside and he spoke over, over me, Deuteronomy 18. And he says, may your fields be blessed and, and you won't be the borrower. You'll be the lender. And, and all these huge blessings, man, I felt like I was getting knighted, dude. Like, like freaking dun dun dun, you know, I freaking, I just arrived, you know what I'm saying? And so uh, I could tell her tail with a water pistol, man. It was great. And so, um, so that moment, something changed. I mean, something changed. I don't know what it was, like I said, um, but something changed in me. And that's when I said, God, there's got to be a better way to do this. And I slipped across the first motivational book I ever got was John Maxwell's 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. The second one, which that book led me to Andy Andrews, um, The Traveler's Gift. Dude, that's my number one book. That is my number one book too, man, because that book changed my world. The Seven Decisions for Personal Success. Um, and, and then I went through the journal and for 30 days, I put that one of those, you know, I'd put one of those in my heart and I would just for 30 days, I just chew on it and meditate on it and pray on it. And, um, I started to see a shift and there's no get rich quick schemes. And that's what I was doing. I was trying to get rich quick and, and it does nothing out that there's nothing, there's something to be said about hard work. Yes. Work smart. But, but sometimes you got to go to work. I call it putting my tool belt on. Sometimes I got to go put my tool belt on. I'm a general contractor in Tennessee, Nashville, if you guys didn't know that. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's good stuff. I, I want, real quick, I know Logan's got some great questions for you on um, kind of going back to the forgiveness. But on the, uh, the Andy Andrews book, um, that, that is my number one book. And then next is like Think and Grow Rich and 21 Laws and, and all that good stuff. But that chapter in uh, The Traveler's Gift where he's talking to the angel Gabriel really changed my thinking around um, ideas and, uh, and, and inventions and potential, but also uh, kids, you know. And um, I, I hope this has piqued anyone's interest that has not uh, read that book to find out what I'm talking about. But that has literally made a shift in my thinking on, um, you know, when you have a 
an idea inside of you and you don't bring that forward. So mm -hmm. anyway, one of my favorite books. So. Yeah, for sure. Mine too. It's up there. That one, that one's on, it's on my nightstand. I haven't read it yet because Corey told me to get it. So um, it's, <laughs> on the, thing, it's, on the, it's on the short list. Um, there were a couple of, I think, um, pretty key things that you've touched on through several answers that I don't want people to gloss over. And, and some of them uh, go along with some things that, that Corey and I have, have talked about quite a bit. And then one of them was something I don't think we've touched on before that I think really some keystone things is one. Um, the first step for you seemed to be getting clarity on what you wanted. Um, that's something that, that that's one of the first thing Corey uh, works with people on. And I think it's just really pivotal is getting crystal clear on what you want and where you want to go. Um, second, um, you touched on personal responsibility and that's something that I think is, um, missing in a lot of places in society and culture today. Um, and you're not going to achieve that vision if you don't take uh, a big level of personal responsibility. Um, especially in a, in a time like right now, um, there are people that are, that are pouting and that are victims, um, with, with the economic, uh, repercussions, uh, that the coronavirus has kind of given us all to, to deal with. And there are people out there that are playing this hand like it's the one that they wanted. Um, and, and, and the other thing, and one that I think people miss on a lot, um, uh, is that you decided to focus on what you want to be and not what you don't want to be. Um, uh, I think that's, uh, I've learned more about that, um, working with Corey and, and kind of being able to articulate it a little bit better uh, through reading some books with him and, and learning the importance of what you feed your subconscious mind to go meditate on. Um, but especially if you're dealing with a parental situation uh, where certain things weren't modeled the right way, um, or if there was abuse or there, you, you constantly see people that say, I'm not going to turn out like my dad, or I'm not going to be like my mom. And then when they're 35, they're exactly like their dad or they're exactly <laughs> like their mom because they spent time thinking what they didn't want to be. And those are the thoughts that they fed their subconscious mind where you flipped that switch and you said, here's what I want to become. Here's where I want to go. I'm crystal clear about it. I'm going to take responsibility for it. And that's how you were able to move forward the right direction. So I don't want people to miss that uh, because that's really important. I'll take that a step further with, with what you said is that I had that it was like, God was already doing this and I wasn't paying attention to it. It wasn't until I forgave my dad until I actually saw the writing on the wall, which was God had put me in five men's lives and five families that, that I was like adopted, dude. I saw how they like, how they, how they solve conflict with their spouses, how they discipline their kids, how they love God, how they prayed, how they led worship or how they um, were a contributing member to society um, and how they ran their business. I mean, I got to see all those other examples. And, and Andy Andrews says, man, you, you hang out with chickens, you learn how to scratch at the ground. You hang out with eagles, you're sort of great heights. You know, and, it's, it's, and this is why I say step two is like come, kind of going with your gut. Sometimes you got to look around. You know, you got to look around and say, man, that dude, that dude, what is he doing? You know what I'm saying? Like, I, you know, and you got you to, gotta, some people you got to, and you got to lovingly let go. 
and kind of cleanse your surroundings and what you're, what you're doing. And, and some people are going to look at you like you're doing what that person did this to you. Are you kidding me? You're going to forgive them. That's, that, that's not helping you. They're hurting you. So, so yeah, that's, I'll, I just wanted to kind of drive that point home with what you said. I mean, you know, it is, it is about who you're around, what you, what you allow yourself to be influenced by. Yeah, that's good. You know, I, <clears throat> You've probably heard the heard the saying or the old adage where uh, if you're harboring resentment or harboring forgiveness, it's kind of like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die, right? Mm -hmm. That quote's in my book, yeah. <laughs> yeah all right. It's very good, very good. Uh, that's it's, good. It's, um, it's, it's, it hurts you. Forgiveness is for you. Yeah. Trust is for them. You know, and, and, and I mean – it's so hard for people to realize how much forgiveness is 100% a choice um, because, because people hold it in such high esteem. They think, well, that person's not worthy of my forgiveness. And if you're waiting to forgive somebody until that you feel that they're worthy, it's never going to happen. Yeah. What you're doing is you're putting yourself in a prison cell and you're locking the door and throwing the key outside of the prison cell. You have the key in your hand my friend, you have the key in your hand, but you threw it through the door. Now you can't get to it. And so it's, it's, um, I had a vision while I was running one day of me being in a prison cell. I mean, it was complete with the, the noise water droplet, boop, you know, and, and everything. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, um, I'm all of a sudden this character starts coming towards me. It's dark, you know, and all this character starts coming to me and they're all dressed in white and the lights like following them down the hallway. And, the person gets to the door and I kind of look up and I realize it's me in white. I'm like, Holy cow, it's me. And I go up to the door and that, that me on the other side of the door hands me a key. And on that key, it says forgiveness. And then the door lock lights up and then all these people start appearing that have offended me in the past. Wow. They're all appearing. But the moment I put the key into the lock and I took it and I turn it all of a sudden they disappear. I had the key to my own freedom. Hmm. And so, so for true forgiveness to happen, something has to die. Yeah. And, and when I, when I, this is what I believe is when God looks at me, he sees Jesus on the cross, right? That's, that's how I believe it to be. And so many times we want to, we want to dwell on what could have been, what might've been. And sometimes you have to mourn that. That's the thing that we talk about in forgiveness. Like sometimes you know, it has to die. Something has to die. And it could be the thought of our relationship, what it could have been the thought of you still having your innocence, what that would look like. The thought of, of, of your father being there at every ball game, uh, every football game, every event, you know, what, the, what that could have been like. And you have to mourn it. I mean, get by yourself somewhere, you know, and, and mourn it, go in the woods for crying out loud on the lake, go fishing. And just pray about it and mourn it because, because it's not, like I said, forgiveness to be happened it has something has to die. And the, and that's what we talk about being just that the thought of what could have been has to die and you have to mourn it. And then in some situations you have to set a boundary in your life for those people. Like I said, forgiveness for you, trust is for them. If somebody stole $12,000 from you in business, you can forgive them. That's, that's all well and fine, but you're not going to trust them with a dime. Yeah. You know, I and mean, it's just the way it is. Yeah. And if this person is a person that has to be in your life, you know, you, you, some trust has to be earned back, mm -hmm. you know? So I, I, I'm curious. Uh, so 
Now, I, I know you've, you've forgiven uh, your dad. Do you, do you feel like that's a one and done type thing or um, is it almost like an ongoing process to where sometimes those feelings come back and you have to put them to death again or for you, uh, has it been just almost a one and done type thing? It's, it's, a, it's a one and done for me. Um, I will tell you that, that it's a muscle. The more you flex it, the better off you're going to be, the more weight you can lift with it, right? So um, I will say that uh, what happens, like like I had a situation in business happen, and I was angry, man. I was, I was absolutely angry at this guy and um, just furious, man, like so mad. And I told myself, I'm not going to go to sleep like this. I can't go to sleep. There's, I refuse to go to sleep. So I started reciting it. I forgive this dude. I forgive this dude. I forgive this dude. The second day, I didn't feel like I forgave the dude. I still was just as mad the next day as I was the day it happened. And so I kept saying, I forgave that dude. I forgive that dude. I forgive that same thing the next day. You know what? The third day or fourth day started happening. I started to feel like it. All right. You are forgiving this guy. You know, it's happening. You're forgiving this guy. Day five, six, seven. I'm like, all right, cool. It's cool. And then two, two weeks later, you know, I had a conversation with him and I didn't have any of that bitterness, any of that anger wasn't there anymore. And see, see what I did is I practiced the muscle. Like I said, forgiveness is 100% a choice. Yeah. That's good. So. M- moving on. I-, I like what you're talking about. Moving on from that victim mentality into that victor mentality, right? For sure. Yeah. For sure. That's good. Um, I, I, I love business and entrepreneurship and, and leadership and those kind of things. I'm uh, what, how, So you went to Nashville, right? Mm-hmm. And, and you're going to be a musician. And uh, so, so how did you take us through the process of how did you open up your business? How did, how did that come to pass? So while I was in Mississippi, I had Stone's tree removal and um, I lost my tail on Hurricane Katrina. Uh, <laughs> I went from Tupelo and I drove all the way down there to help and, and I got into a really big contract and lost my tail on it, man. I underbid everything to try to get all these lots. Um, I was looking at all, they had 875 pine trees. Some of them were hundred years old. I mean, couldn't even fit your arms around them. So I was just thinking about the weight. I was like, I was going to buy a $16,000 piece of equipment and, and come out with 35 grand in my pocket, straight up pocket. I mean, cause there was that much wood on the ground. Well, I got down there and I underbid the lots. Nothing worked out. Gas was a dollar difference than it was in Tupelo. So man, I've spent $450 in two days in gas and diesel. It was ridiculous. So lost my tail, had to get out of the contract, had to pay to get out of the contract on the way back. The truck blew up. <laughs> so I had to pay to have the truck fixed. <laughs> so, uh, like I said, it was, it was terrible. So, um, that wasn't my first radio, but what happened was got to, got to Nashville, started a band, got the band going and, um, was having some success, man. And, um, what was the problem was, is that I've been doing this for 12 years and I had a newborn and a, a, a four year old at, at home. And it just became, I kept canceling all these family events to go play shows that like either the venue would cancel or a band would cancel and and half the crowd wouldn't show up. It was just really getting frustrating. And so um, I was just like, man, something in my life has got to give. And I got a construction post hurricane or sorry, post uh, 2010 flood. And so um, I met a guy, a general contractor, a small group. And he said, I said, dude, you guys need any help? And he's like, absolutely, man. We're covered up. I was like, cool. So I interviewed with them. They gave me a job making more money than I'd ever made, $15 an hour, which is hilarious. Um, because I'd worked with Chick-fil-A for seven years. 
Um, you know, so I was, I'd only made like, you know, when I left Chick-fil-A, I was making like 12, 15 hours, something like that. So more money I'd ever made. And, um, and I was learning this process. Well, he said, Hey, do you know how to do hardwood floors? And I'm like, no. And he said, let me show you. Hey, do you know how to do tile? No. Well, let me show you. And so I started doing all that stuff for them. Well, then another guy found out about me, said, Hey man, I'll pay you $20 an hour to go punch these houses. I'm like, okay. So I started punching houses for track home builders and realtors. And so the punching, what I mean is not literally punching is it's a, when you do a walkthrough on a house before you're fixing to buy it and they say, Hey, what all you want fixed? They write that down on a list and they call that the punch list. Well, they hand it over. They find a guy like me or some handyman and they do the punch list. We specialize in that for track home builders and, and realtors in Nashville. I have 20 guys that work for me now. Uh, we work for over five builders right now. Um, and so, um, doing over a million dollars in revenue a year. So it's, it's, uh, it's pretty crazy. Wow. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. You know, a couple of things that I I heard within that was one, your willingness to say yes to an opportunity, you know? Um, Absolutely. Do you know how to do hardwood floors? Uh, no, but I, I, I can learn, right? Absolutely. How to do time? No, but I can learn. Yep. And then, um, the other thing going back to your, when you were talking about forgiveness that I picked up on as well was, uh, learning the lessons within the experiences, right? So it sounds like you've been digging and you found the gold in there because experiences, there, there is gold and there is diamond within that. But the only way we find it is to go back and reflect on those experiences. And it sounds like you've kind of done some, some of that. Uh, it sounds like, do you, do you have um, maybe some habits or anything like that where, where that, that have kind of helped you in your, uh, career, but also help make you successful. Um, things like that. Uh, taking yeah. time. Yeah. Um, one of the couple of the things that uh, I really like to do is, is have some you time, you know, whatever that looks like for me, I love going fishing, um, hunting when it's season. Um, I, I like going hiking and stuff like that, but sometimes it's just getting up in the morning and having a cup of coffee and just 30 minutes to yourself just in, in prayer meditation. I kind of got it through that. Um, one thing that has really served me really well is perspective. And, uh, I love Andy Andrews again, <laughs> his book, the noticer, uh, man, it taught me the value of perspective, man. Um, and then I went to a conference and this guy gave me the best like image of a perspective. He said, and I wrote about it in my book. He said, um, he, he put a white piece of paper up like this and in front of the crowd and goes, Hey, what color is this piece of paper? Everybody's screaming at him. It's white. It's white. He goes, are you sure it's white? It's white. Well, he flips it over and on the back side of it, they had taken and laminated a red sheet on the back of it. So when he flipped it over, it was red. He goes, cause from my perspective, it was red. He goes, so you guys all shouting at me, you were wrong. You know what I'm saying? So, um, and that, and so that, that was so amazing to me to see that shift was cause like sometimes, man, you got to look at, and sometimes this, this, this allows you to really see, see things for what they are, you know? And sometimes you got to put yourself in other people's shoes and like, well, man, they made a bonehead decision. Well, let's, let's see why they made that decision. And and you kind of put those things in the, in a perspective. So you can kind of, you know, I could be eating, I think Andy Andrews says, you know, I could be eating sardines and Vienna sausages on the beach, or I could have, I have surf and turf with a, with a beachfront sunset view, you know? So it's all about perspective. Yeah. A couple of things that I'd love to unpack right there. One that makes me think of, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with with uh, Inky Johnson, but one of his his kind of slogan is "Perspective drives performance." How you view what you do affects how you do what you do. Um, 
And that's, uh, that really ties in nicely to, to perspective. Um, also, uh, it seems like a common thread in your story that I don't want people to miss is uh, proximity. Um, I, I noticed that you said I was at a conference. Um, you know, I was I put myself in a position by saying yes to be at this church to learn how to do X, Y, Z tasks, which allowed you to grow into things. Reflecting back on your story um, uh, with your dad, um, your perspective now looking back is, wow, there were, there were five different families that the Lord put in my life that allowed me to see some positive modeling on how to run a business, how to be a good husband, how to be a good father, how to, how to be a good leader. Um, whereas if you take that, that victim mentality, um, you're not going to extract the good. Corey talks a lot about harvest the good, you know, harvest the good. Um, but what I'm seeing is a lot of proximity, uh, to being around people that are going to pull you up instead of pull you down. Absolutely. And that's, uh, and that's one of the things too, is, is talk about the values. And, um, I'm in a mastermind group with, uh, Aaron Walker and, uh, he has a mastermind group called ISI. It's iron sharpens iron. And inside that he was in a mastermind group with Dan Miller and, and Dave Ramsey for 10 years called the Eagles and, um, here in Nashville. And man, I get around every Tuesday, man, I get on a phone call with 10 men that, that pick me up, call me out, you know, tell me, Hey, you're doing this wrong. Hey, you're doing that wrong. Hey, I was there two years ago. Let me tell you what I did to fix this. You know, this morning was a plain exact with my wife's situation. He was like, I told him, I was like, Hey, you know, she says, I'm not completing my thoughts, like not completing my sentences. Like what, what's going on? And they're like, dude, your brain only has so much capacity. And he said, you've got to offload a bunch of stuff so that you can make capacity. So you, if, if it's writing it down, if it's getting it in, in Slack or if it's getting it, you know, down on a spreadsheet, because, because what's happening is that us, us alpha males, us, us business guys, us entrepreneurs, we're always thinking in the future, 100%. I got to do that. Got to do that. Got to do that. And, and so what was happening is that I was full of, I got to do that. Got to do that. Got to do that. Kind of remembering that stuff versus like getting it down into a system where other people can look at it and say, Hey, you didn't do this. You didn't do that. Oh, cool. Sweet. So now once it's down out of my head though, I, it, it frees up the mental capacity to, to finish out and engage. That's, that's uh that's one thing that, that really this morning, just in the mastermind group, man, surrounding yourself with people that have been there. I will tell you, I got, when I got to over a million dollars too, we, uh, I got to a point where I was fearful, like completely scared to death. I have no idea what I'm doing. Oh my goodness. This thing's fixing to fall apart at any moment. Like seriously. And, and that's when I realized I've got to get around some like-minded people. And that's when I reached out and, and, and met these guys. I heard about them on a podcast and, and called them. And, and, um, what was cool is that I was all by myself because I was isolated. Nobody knew what I was going through. There was no friends that were going through what I was going through. There's nobody around me. Well, when I got with these guys, it was like, dude, I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> and it gave me like one, two, three pointers. And I was like, Oh my goodness. I was like, just a sigh of relief. Somebody knows what I'm going through. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so to me, that's the value of being in a mastermind group and, and having people that surround you that uplift you and know what you're going through. Sometimes you can have Andy Andrews talks about the board of directors. You can have those people in your life and, and you don't have to tell them, you know, you could just call them out and seek some wisdom and every now and then, and you know, somehow give back to them. But, uh, but yeah, man, it's, it's, it's just all about who, who you're letting influence you and, and who you got around you. 
That's uh, that's interesting as I reflect on that. Uh, my wife told me last night, she was like, why are you not, why are you not finishing your sentences? And then uh, I, I didn't put it together, but this morning, actually the first thing I did before I got to work was um, I spent about 20 or 30 minutes writing down a bunch of things, kind of doing a, uh, a mental dump mm-hmm. and getting everything on paper, getting the next week uh, organized on kind of the, the big priorities to get done and then had uh, just a, an extremely productive day mm-hmm. in terms of moving the needle on the, the right things. Um, so that's uh, another thing, a couple of things off of that. Um, one, I think mastermind groups and just putting yourself around people that are going to sharpen you um, is just phenomenally valuable, but even more so than mentorship, because oftentimes in a mentorship relationship with one person, there can be a tendency to project your personal history or your personal experience onto that person. Whereas that, that mastermind group is getting several different sets of experience and perspective and, able to kind of customize it to you versus having a one personal bias. And I think you can really get some huge value out of that. Absolutely. 100%. Um, I agree with you. And, and the thing I kind of wanted to park on and, and get some more insight from you on was um, you talked about kind of hitting that million dollar mark and then maybe a little bit of imposter syndrome setting in. And um, I think that's something that a lot of small business owners, especially um, can struggle with when they hit really what they perceive as big milestones. Um, and I think it's extremely important to grow your identity to match those results. Um, so that you don't kind of self-sabotage and bring yourself back down. Um, what have you done to, to, to be able to do that and allow that growth to be sustainable? The big thing I think that I've done is taking responsibility for my own growth. So many people don't do that. They, Oh, you're going to do that. Cool. I want to go do that too. You know, take responsibility and seeking out the things that you're trying to learn about. Um, You know, it's, it's really hard for me. It was really hard how, how I moved from, I'm trying to put this into words <laughs> of how, how I moved from that. The imposter syndrome was really just getting around those people and, and realizing that I wasn't alone. But one of the big things is when I was with Chick-fil-A for the last year, I was with them. I was a certified grand opening trainer. They fly me all over the country and I I'd, I'd treat, uh, teach their kitchen staff how to, how to cook chicken in about four days. And I taught three shifts that so breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I, I, I taught all three shifts in about four days, how to cook, run the whole store. And I would just pop in in a pinch, you know, well, it just amazed me. And that's why I learned the value of a duplicatable system. And as we were hiring people and running into problems, we'd systematize it. Okay. What can we do? We create a system. My wife and I just created a system. We haven't created a system. I feel like in a, in about a year (laughs) probably. And we started installing this new product and we were trying, we were having inventory issues. We were always running short, couldn't figure out. So then we just created the system. It's a smart system in Excel that, this is what you require on each house. This is what builder requires this much inventory. You put this much inventory in minus what you don't have it, it, and it duplicates what you got to order. So it's, it's just one of those situations where it's to me to keep moving forward is, is the, when you don't know, go find somebody that does. 
I can't, I can't emphasize that enough is seeking wisdom. I, I, and that's one of the, I would say the, the things to attribute to my success is that if I don't know something, I'll go find out, Hey, what I'll go ask five people. Hey, what have you done in this situation? What have you done in this situation? What have you done in this situation? I'll take all their feedback and then I'll make a decision based on what they've told me. Because when you, when you seek their wisdom, you get, like you said, you get the life experience of, of all those people, not just your own. Uh, that's, that's huge. And I think, um, another common thread that I'm seeing is, um, and you answered it before I could even ask it was how have systems played into your success because you had a $12 and 50 cent an hour job that's allowed you to build a million dollar business because of the experience that you got from it. Um, but humility, um, you know, you were willing to go learn things. Um, and you're willing even today to say, I don't know. Um, that's, that's, one of the things I, I consider that one of my superpowers is that no matter where, no, no matter what job I'm plugged into, I don't mind telling somebody, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been such a valuable tool mm-hmm. uh, because people can really see through things when you make up stuff. Absolutely. <laughs> one, they it know makes you look you're foolish. not an expert mm-hmm. um, and you get a lot of credibility with your team. Um, you know, it, even if you've got guys that are, that are working for you right now, there are problem, probably some things on punch lists at this point that they know how to do that you haven't done that in a while and they're, they're better at it than you because they're an expert and you're a generalist and you have that humility to be able to say, I don't know, um, and allow people to be awesome at what they need to be awesome at and, and it allows you to continue to grow. Mm-hmm. For sure. I'll add real quick two cents on that because I love what you said about figure it out, right? Yeah, I work with one company and they have these wristbands on there and they're saying is figure it out. And, uh, Mm. you know, when we opened up our physical therapy practice, it was going to be a small little PT clinic. And um, I was exactly like you. It started to grow and it's like, oh, I am over my head. I have no idea what I'm going to do. And you start hiring people and it's like, I mean, I don't know what to do. And you figure it out. You go exactly like you said, you go find somebody who has been there, done that, and you ask them questions. And what I have found is people, people will freely give you information, but you have to ask. They, people want to help, right? Mm-hmm. Everything you need to know uh, is out there for free uh, on, on the internet, on YouTube, on Google. People want to help you. But also paying, that, paying the price of investing in yourself. Sometimes you pay with humbling yourself. Sometimes you pay with your time. And then the best is uh, paying, like you said, going to courses and seminars. My growth uh, by investing into mentorship and, and coaching myself, for the past three years, I mean, I, I have to have a telescope to see how far I've come. But it came with an investment. And um, it, and, and just figuring that out. So I, I love what you said, go figure it out. Right. So, uh, what, what, um, what have you, what has allowed you to be able to go from when you started this business, you were doing a lot of the work yourself or all of the work yourself to now you've got 20 people, uh, that, that are working for you. That means that your job, uh, within the company has changed a lot. Um, oh, yeah. how have you been able to scale and how have you been able to maintain quality? Because that's a, 
that's a big jump to go from doing the work to managing a set of 20 people. Um, especially if, if you had the actual hands-on skills and now you're going to, to being more of a leader, mm-hmm. um, what's allowed you to transition well? Well, I, uh, you know, they say anybody that's got over 10,000 hours in anything, any given field is an expert. Um, I calculated how many, how many houses my hands have punched and there's, um, over 7,000. <laughs> so that puts me about 68,000 hours of experience. And so, um, no, and on a real note though, that's what that is, is, a is you take, a the things that I love from big companies like, like Chick-fil-A, for instance, their training system is amazing. And I, uh, I started doing videos and then I started training things that, that, weren't necessarily say say for instance a guy would come in and he have general knowledge right he'd come in and work for me well we started noticing that i got 15 phone calls when i'd hired one guy the first guy matter of fact hey i got 15 phone calls within a 20 minute period hey dude what is this on the list what is that on the list what is that i have no idea what that is it's like okay so then what i did is i put a definition list of every piece of material that's going to be in a house and i and i on a, in our orientation i walk through a house and i say this is crown molding this is casing this is a doorknob this is a locking doorknob. It's called a privacy knob. This is, you know, so I, the list would go on. And so, and it's about a page and a half of, of things that we just, we point and tell them exactly what it is. So when they see it on a list, they know exactly what it is. And, and it's, and it's, and it's, it's that kiss method. Keep it simple, stupid. It's like, you know, don't complicate it. If, if you've got a system, don't complicate it. Make it as simple as possible. So easy, you know, the simplest people can follow it. And, um, man, I was a guy on the run, man. Like, like it's, I mean, it's crazy. I was working 80 hours for two weeks or two years, 80 hours. It was nuts. And, um, I finally, a project manager pulled me inside of a house one day. He goes, Hey man, how's your family? And I was, I started to cry. I was like, dude, I have no idea. I hadn't seen him in a month and a half. And he said, dude, you need a break, bro. I was like, you're telling me dude. (laughs) And so, um, at that moment I realized something had to change. And what was happening is I was collapsed by fear because I didn't want to trust anybody with my name. And a lot of entrepreneurs, I think that when they move to the moment where they're so busy, they, they're so afraid to hire anybody because they don't want to trust people with their name. And I'm not gonna lie. It's, it's a, uh, because you fear like the first moment somebody complains about something, they're going to just quit or your customers are just going to leave on a dime. You know, I think for me, I had so much, uh, I guess I had so much morale or, or whatever you want to call it with, with these builders that, you know, I'd hire a guy and they were like, yeah, that good dude's good at that, man, but he's terrible at that. You know, they kind of overlook it and they tell me, and then I would go train that thing, you know? And so, so our training is crazy, man. Now we've got like a drywall 101, an advanced drywall, a trim 101, an electrical 101, a plumbing 101. We just take everybody. And what we found out was most people that had the skill anyway were like alcoholics or they'd be on drugs. They couldn't make an informed decision. They had no idea how to make a decision. And so what we did is we started finding people with great attitudes that were willing and started training the skill. Hmm. So we'd bring people because people were more willing to use somebody that had a great attitude and their skill set was okay. You know, they would rather hire that guy than somebody that, that, that their skill set was awesome and they had a crappy attitude, you know. So, so that was just really, in a nutshell, was just implementing the training systems and going back and verifying, you know, holding people capable. I don't like to say accountable, 
because it's like, hey, this is what you're asking you to do. It are you capable to do it? You know, do you have the do you have the tools to do it? Do you have the skill set to do it? Do you understand what I'm asking you to do? And then, are you willing? You know, those are kind of the four questions you want to ask. And so, um, so that that's a big big part of it um, is 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 the training that we we do here. How do you decide what things? that you need to keep touching on a daily basis and what things are okay for you to hand off? Well, that's the thing is, is my wife, it gets on her nerves sometimes cause she's like, you delegate everything. I'm like, I'm here at the house because I delegated something. <laughs> so, so, uh, and then she's like, well, that's true. So, um, she's the CFO, I'm the CEO. So, um, she hasn't, she hasn't quite, she likes to own everything. She wants her hands on everything. She, she doesn't <laughs> delegate as much as I do, but, um, I delegate everything. And how I do that is, is what this is almost like the Chick-fil-A method method. You just duplicate yourself over and over again. You have a guy and you bring them under your wing and you just everything, every situation that comes up, you're, you're pouring into that person. You're saying, this is how would you have solved this situation? Okay, cool. Well, this is how I would have done it. And, and that's, that's a great way you, you know, you're just constantly investing in the people that are below you that way that you can continue to duplicate yourself. And when you see somebody that catches your eye, you're like, oh man, that dude right there. And I've made mistakes before in the past. I, I'm actually not going to call that a mistake. I've had, I've picked people over people in the past that offended them so bad that they left. And it was because it's like, dude, you were never there when I needed you. But this guy was. That shows me he wants it more than you do, you know. And so um, I choose the guy that wanted it, you know. And so, um, so you have to, you have to be able to delegate, you know, and then duplicate yourself. How I, how I do like to answer your question. Sorry. I went all way around that, but um, <laughs> is, is how I do it. Is that, is there somebody else in my company that can do it on my calendar? I have things in color coded uh, on my, my personal calendar. So if it's green, it's family time. If it's blue, it's health and fitness. If it's red, I have to go do it. If it's yellow, it's a meeting. So uh, if it's red, I have to go do it. So I've looked at the things that I got to do in a day. If I absolutely have to it, co go collect a check, it's red. I have to go do that. If, you know, if it's, you know, that kind of situation. So basically is that, is there somebody else asking yourself, is there somebody else that can do this in the company? And if, if so, why aren't you letting them do it? So, and that's how you kind of do it. You basically are working yourself out of a job. So, so, so your goal is to keep moving things out of the red, right? Right. So how, how do you decide when it's time to let somebody else be the person that does a final walkthrough with, with, uh, with the client and collect the check? Uh, or how do you decide when it's time to, to hand off tasks like that? How do you identify that next person? How do you decide the business has reached a new tipping point where you've got to hand off a couple more things that are red? There's a, there's a couple of guys in my company right now that um, I've one of them I've mentored for five years now and he's kind of my right hand guy. Um, he'll go do estimates. I'll kind of take a look at those estimates before he sends them. And then, um, and then I'll let him go collect deposits and things like that. He's, he's, he's really good. And I've actually trusted one other guy with that, you know, um, but in the, in the situation with these builders, sometimes, you know, it's, it's just one of those things where you want to keep a relationship going 
with your clients. And so sometimes it's about a relationship. It's not about going and getting a check or delegating it. Sometimes it's, Hey, they need to go see my face and still know that I'm the guy, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I'm the guy. Um, even though they see these other two guys, they still need to go see my face every now and then. And so um, I try to do that uh, as much as possible. But, and then that's, that's one of those things. If it's not, if it's not maintaining a relationship, then I will let them a lot of times go. Oh, that's good. Sounds like you do have you have a, a method that you use that with, and there's one that I kind of like to use personally. It's uh, what, what gives me what is required of me. What do I have to do? That's your red, right? What what is my reward? What what do I actually like doing, right? What fulfills me in my job? And then uh, what's what gives me the greatest return? So asking those three questions, those are the things that as a leader I try to focus on. And it sounds like you've got a, a, a have a method with that as well. And, um, and I hear you, I think your business has gotten there because you've invested in your people too. I think that's mm-hmm. key as well. So, yeah. I'll, I'll, and that's one of the reasons why I love this, this whole situation with this book. And I'm so excited about it because I learned my passion in life through this business is to empower people to change their own situation. Uh, that is empower people. Sorry, I messed that up. So empower people to change their own situation. Um, and in the book, as a man thinketh, he says, you know, a stronger man can't help a weaker man unless the weaker man's willing to be helped. And, and so sometimes you got to filter through a couple of guys that aren't willing to be helped till you find the one that is, that does want to be helped. And then that's the ones you invest in, right? Because they want it more. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, and so, I mean, I, I, I want to help these people so bad, dude. I put in my training manual, it's around here somewhere in my training manual. I have those seven decisions by Andy Andrews in the back of it. Oh, that's so I said, awesome. I tell him, I say, look, I'm handing you a piece of gold here. What you do with it is up to you, but I would encourage you to read it because I'm telling you it's, it's, it's some gold here. And so everybody looks at me like they're crazy. What is this guy? Is he doing drugs? You know? <laughs> and I'm just like, so I kind of laugh, but, but, but you know, and it's, and it's, it is, it's, and that's what I want to do with the book is, as well is with my own businesses. My business, my current business has showed me that, you know, and we're, we've been celebrating in September. We'll celebrate 10 years of being in business. Wow. So it's uh it's, it's pretty exciting. And to, to be able to, empower, I've, I've had three guys coming out of my company. They're all out on their own now and, and, oh, and doing cool. their own thing. And that is so rewarding. People look down and like, Oh, you don't want them to leave, man. You want them to leave. I mean, yeah, you hope that they don't, but eventually they're going to, right. You have a cap financially of, of what you can pay somebody. So, um, they may be able to go out and make more money on their own. And that's completely fine. At that point, that's their decision to go make, you know, I had to make that decision one day, you know? And so I had to say, look, I can't, I, I can make more money out on my own than I can with you, you know, sorry, buddy, you know, I gotta go. So, you know, it just is what it is. So it's just all part of this, the, the growth. You're, you're always growing. And if you're not, you're dying, right? If you're not always growing, you're dying. It's, it's the same, it's the same energy that makes an acorn, uh, an oak tree. Yeah. You know, it takes time. That's right. I, I love that. I love that. And you, you can't, if you're listening, you can't see what's behind me, but you, if you're watching, you can, that's level four people development where you're developing other people who are developing other people. I love that. Well, um, we, we touched on a lot of different things there, Derek, any, yeah. any other thoughts that you really want to hammer home whenever it comes to forgiveness and why I should forgive that we haven't touched on. Um, a lot of it is, is surrendering the outcome. I, I want to just drive that home. Surrendering the outcome is, is sometimes we fight battles that just aren't ours. Yeah. 
And a lot of the peace that comes from forgiveness is the fact that God's gone to take care of it, you know? And if you don't believe in a high power, you know, you're, you'll start believing in what you're surrounded by. So, you know, that's, that's the thing. And then following all that up with gratitude, if you can't be a happy, grateful person, if you're bitter, angry and resentful. And to me, happiness and gratitude are two different sides of the same sort of joy. If you want to, I mean, happy people are joy. They're, they're joyful people. They're just not bitter, angry people. They're just yeah. not. That's good stuff. Um, what about if, if someone was interested in getting the book, how did they get the book? And how, if, if someone wanted to reach out to you and connect with you, uh, what would be the best way to do that? They can go to derekstone.online, which is D-E-R-E-K, stone, S-T-O-N-E, dot online. Uh, I have all my Facebook feeds are there, so you can jump on to Facebook and, and love to start a chat with anybody um, about what you're going through or anything like that. And then... Um, yeah, my Instagram is there as well. And then they can grab a copy of the book as well there. Awesome. Yeah, definitely go out and get that book and share it with a friend or family member. Uh, I know it's going to be great. Right before we wrap up, I think uh, Logan has two rapid fire questions he likes to ask. Uh, if you don't mind asking those real quick. Uh, yeah, love, love to hear something that over the past five to 10 years, um, something that you knew to be true. Uh, that you discovered was not true either in life or business. And that's such a hard one. <laughs> I haven't been able to think of it yet. Um, um, I genuinely want to help people, but people always don't want to be helped. You know, you, I, when I was younger, I thought everybody wanted to be helped and that's not always the case. Mm, that's good. Mm-hmm. That's yep. good. Um, if you had a billboard that everyone in the world would see, what would your message on it be? It would be the last line in my book. Uh, and it was actually written by my wife. She kind of put the icing on the cake. Um, but it says, whatever is your why, choose to forgive. Man, that's good. Can you say that one more time? Whatever is your why, choose to forgive. Mm, that's good. Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. You have to read the other pages to get there, though, to make that's that. That's right powerful there we go well uh Derek man we greatly appreciate you being on here with us today I think this is going to add a ton of value I think the book's going to add a ton of value to people I think it's a great message that needs to be heard and uh thank you guys for taking a listen I hope this has added value to you and if it has uh feel free to share it with a friend or family member like subscribe um and Logan you want to close us out Yep. As you go about your week this week, ask yourself, would you recommend yourself as a spouse, a partner, an employee, a team member, a son, a daughter, a parent, would you recommend yourself? And that'll change the way you live your life. Thank you guys.